Hello, and welcome in to the Solar Data Strategy Show. I am Andrew Laird. You can find me as Lairdino on Solar, joined as always, or usually, by PSU fans too, Sean Newsham. Today, we are going to talk about everyone's favorite topic, which is DNPs. But before we get there, Sean, we were just talking about this. I'm just crushed this morning. Yeah, I, I came into the room here waiting for the show, and Laird was just like a sad puppy dog sitting here he's just like i had to come it, in and, and console him i feel so i feel like such a word i can't i'm not gonna say on our show because i try to keep it somewhat family friendly but like complaining about winning is awful but i'm gonna do it anyway i woke up this morning in third place in all-star rare pro for my first podium since i since like last summer when it felt like that was the last time I had a good lineup. Has it really been that long? I believe so. I don't think I've ever had a non-first place podium. Like I finished first place twice. Like I don't think I've ever finished second or third. And Mike Batson's saying I should use doofus. I feel like a doofus. I and, a moron. Yeah. Well, I don't feel like a moron really. But anyway. I, I mean, I don't want to offend you, Laird. Yeah. <laughs> I woke up this morning before the deadline because I had to check a few things on my lineups. And as soon as the game week ended, I took a screenshot on my phone to show that I was still in third. Because I was like, if there's an Opta change after this, I'm going to just lose it. And I didn't go back and check anything until I just went to open my reward. And it, was, it said fourth place, which also I didn't notice until I sent someone else a screenshot of what I won. And they were like, wait, fourth? And I was like, wait, what fourth? And I go and I click through and my ETH is just like the threshold. And I'm like, what the hell? So I look back, my, my score is exactly the same. The people in front of me and behind me are the same. I'm like, what on earth happened? And it turned out that the one Chinese Super League game, which looked like a Wuhan derby was still going on. And I don't even remember what the guy's name was, had three decisives and pushed whoever won to first place which subsequently pushed me from the podium to fourth. And then I opened this reward and you have since told me that this guy smacks and I'm willing, I looked and like, you've that's confirmed. But I also opened it and I was like, who the hell is this guy? Which is like, was supplemented or was preceded, excuse me, by me being such a moron and looking at the, the tier pool yesterday and looking at all these like, awesome prizes. And I'm like, man, this card would be great. This card would be great. And then I like keep scrolling down and I'm like, oh, I'd even take these. It's midweek. So they're probably starting. And like, I probably had like 15 cards. I was like, oh, I would love this. And I win a guy who I probably scrolled right by. Cause I was like, I don't know who the hell that guy is. And, um, and I'm just sad. I'm sad for winning. And it, I feel like I feel like such an ass for doing okay, it. So here's I'm a sorry question. to everybody listening who's like, I would love to win that because it was, it's great to win and I'm happy for that. But I was just like, ah. So here's a question for you, Laird. I think you are more negative when you win something you're not happy with than I am. That is 100% true. Yeah. Because I, I, the only time I'm upset is when I literally just drill the absolute bottom on first place. Otherwise, I'm pretty content. Um, like yeah. I, I would be okay. Like you're like, was it a great reward you got? No, but you can sell them for an ETH easy. 
It's and, and easy. Before, I mean, obviously, I, part of the issue and part of the reason why you're frustrated, which I guess we'll, we'll say, is because you were looking forward to the point four ETH as well. That is also true, yes. So not getting that is a is a blow. Because, like, I got second in Asia. I think it was, like, 0.82 Asia D1. It's, like, 0.82. Like, that's a good return no matter yeah, what other great. card I get. Um, so I, to- I totally get it. I just – I think your expectations were – were quite a bit higher probably than they should have been. It's less that I um, that they were high expectations, which admittedly they were. Um, and I'm going to pull up this guy that For I was really wondering. Know. Laird was talking to me last night. He's like, Neymar's third in the list. Let me just pull a Neymar out here. No, no, no. I, I, so it's really funny you say that because I was like, it's not going to be Neymar. And so I scrolled to seventh and Jota was there and I'm like, I'm going to get Jota. And I'm like, I'm not going to get Jota. And then I, I kept scrolling. So I got this guy, uh, Gerno Trauner. Trauner, who like, he's great. Yeah. If anybody wants to pay me like a little more than an ETH, I'd be happy to sell him. Um, yeah, exactly. He's a steady player for Feyenoord. Great. Like that, that, the excitement here is just, it's not there. Would you have been so, more excited if you still had these low? If I still had Bijlo, a buy low would make sense. Um, Mickey Fu saying third place got Sebastian Villa, which... Uh, <laughs> That's that, who we were expecting Laird was going to get. I, I definitely thought I would get Villa. Or Julian Alvarez. Was it really third place? That would be so fun. I mean, not No, third place getting Villa makes sense. I thought that it would be a, around there. I, I The reward, it wasn't uploaded. It was um, not up yet. Yeah, it takes it, a while. Well, there was, one, there was one card. The only card that was updated was like sec, or was a, a random card in America, D something. Um, <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't tell who second one or third one earlier when I looked at the the cheater option because it was Ashtooka and he had too many level zero cards. Too many new ones, yeah. So I couldn't see who it was. Um, I also didn't care that much to uh, to to go and look. But no, it's he's fi- like it's fine. I, Mike Bassett goes. <laughs> 336th best defender for fourth place. Yeah, so so Martin, that's that's the thing though, right? Is like I think it all comes with expectation. Like Lair just got a card worth 1500 US dollars for a just random midweek game. So like in theory he should be somewhere let's call it somewhere between 1 and 1.4 cuz well I guess 1 we'll just call yeah, it Yeah this this is like between 0.8 and 1 this is not 1 to No it's above, above me. 1 it's probably all right so we'll call it 1 so like he got a 1 ETH card in a random midweek lineup where he was bitching to me about his week being over well before that occurred so no 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 I never bitched about this week I stayed very silent about this week knowing that the okay. lineup that I had Well silent I'll take silence as like you bitching about the week it's not like gator guy who just goes in and like lets everyone know how dead he is and then wins a four ETH card so that's, this is, like, the worst, is that we still show the uh, yeah you guys still show you in, in third. third that's why i went and looked but the, the see so for me so here's the thing right i would have actually been happy because i looked at what everyone else got and nobody got some amazing card so i yeah like two weeks ago or like last midweek the gap between first and second was Kimmich yeah. and Sean Johnson. Like, if I finish second and first gets Kimmich and I get Sean Johnson and that's an 8 ETH difference, I'm going to be depressed. Or if I get first and then I just, like, first, this it is a midweek. So, like, I don't know. My midweek expectations are always, like, 
I'm just going to get something and then whatever it is, it's fine. Like I, I'm generally pretty chill in the midweek results. My issue is like, if you smash a first on a weekend and you're getting a tier zero of like first of like 20 or something, and then you like just drill like a one ETH card, that is when I'd be like, oh, okay, that's not ideal. But it is true. I mean, a lot of the times I was actually excited about my rewards. And by that, I mean, like I was excited about the tier two Asian uh, super rare I got. Like yeah. I was legit excited about it. Larry can confirm that. I think the 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 issue, not an issue, but the what I see with midweeks is it feels a lot more like DFS uh, tournaments that like first place is not like we've seen some bad first places. I won't like yeah. disregard that, but we have seen some like very good midweek, like first place midweek prizes. But that doesn't mean that like every reward after that is going to be good. And so like we saw last week with um, uh, with. Kimmich and Sean Johnson, but like, and then I remember the weekend was like Cecenia and I forget who was second, but it was like all of the rewards were kind of closer in terms of value, but yeah. So I have this guy, I'm happy. I, <laughs> He's, I actually knew him from DFS cause he used to be on Ram champs league slates or Europa league slates. And he just, he's a center back who just eats interceptions and tackles. So like, as soon as I saw him at Feyenoord last year, like literally before his first game, I think like that first game he played for them, I saw him on the field. I'm like, wait, that's Trowner. And I looked up, but he didn't have any cards at the time. So mm -hmm. I was like, this guy's going to smash because I just knew him from DFS and what, why he smashed in DFS. I was like, this guy's going to be someone that just absolutely wrecks uh, the scoring matrix. And I mean, as you see, he's really good at the scoring matrix. He has a lot of really high spikes too, which he's a good card. He's definitely a valuable option for you too, honestly. Like, I mean, if you kept him, like he's someone you would play very frequently over the course of the year. The issue is, is obviously it's not exactly who you were intending. And with an ETH, you can go put that towards a lot of what you're intending to do. Yeah, I, th I think the problem, and it's not a problem, it's my own problem, is that A, I look through the, the tier pool, which just gets expectations higher. Like as, as realistic as you want to be about what is coming, you're going to like hope for something else, which I think is just natural human in, uh, intuition or not intuition, but whatever. Um, the problem is, is that it's a card that I would never want. Like that's, it, it's like, it's easy. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm, it's just like an immediate sell for me. Like the card's helpful. Sure. But like, if I was looking for something specific, like I'm probably not ending up on this guy anyway. No, no. But I mean, it's, it's just difficult. The whole thing's difficult. Like, so it's all expectations, right? John makes a point and says, like, it's a shame because winning a top tier card should be full-blown excitement. It should. But the problem is, is like Laird said, Laird literally looked at the pool and said, Neymar's third, let's go one, two, three, and let me get Neymar. So, like, Laird's expectations here, as they weren't this, but they also were this, was Neymar. So when you're not getting Neymar in this situation, what was your expectation? Like, what were you expecting to get here? Honestly, I, Neymar was not my expectation. It was Jota, who I believe was seventh. Okay, so like, <laughs> Lair's expectation here in a in a crap midweek with only eight tier zeros was Jota. I, uh, who by the way, I actually am curious. So his his auction currently is three point four, which is the highest ETH sale. I'm interested to see if it goes higher than that. There's an hour left on it, so I'm going to have that up during the show. I just am curious, like what his actual price point is going to be now that things are confirmed everyone knows he's at Celtic everyone knows that he's probably 
the best U23 option outside of like Mbappe and like Vinicius. So I, I'm curious what uh, his price point goes to. Um, I'll, I'll but, be honest. But I, I don't remember who I sent it to, but I definitely um, like looked at a section of the tier pool and I was like, I think I'm in this range. And um, Trauner certainly was nowhere near this range, but I can't remember like which one uh, I did. I'm trying to pull it up here. The, the problem is, is that like, once you start getting into stars, like you're just like, man, this, so yeah, Neymar was third, here's Jota, but I thought I would be like, I knew these guys, I think it was this range, which See, seems like way lower. I'll tell you, scroll down. I'll tell you, I'm not even gonna look at it. I'll tell you what range I would have expected you to be in. Keep oh no, sorry. It was here. Cause I was like, oh, I already have Alvarez. So I'll probably get out. Yeah. You, you think you are, are always getting dudes. And then All like right. even go going further, I was like, oh, I have a Don. And I was like, maybe if I'm like, this I would have been fine with anyone in this range too. This is where I would have expected you. I would have yeah. expected you in this range. Oh yeah. And then I told you I was going to win Nuno Mendes again. Yeah. Which or Rodrigo. Been. I told somebody I would win. Like, where is Strauner? My God. Is Nuno Mendes price like Vizca. back So Vizca where... was first. How is Nuno Mendes 1.2 E? You should have kept Nuno Mendes. I can't talk about Nuno Mendes. So wait, so you told me Visco was first, right? Visco was first. Was Blake second? Because Via was third. All right, let me rephrase. Visco went to Weasel, who, according to Sower, finished first. Uh uh, yeah. So Blake had to so they went like one, two, three here. It wasn't Blake. Second was Takalaka. Um... I think. Who knows? If but people, now, well, if people, I, I'll let you know in a second. Like I'm um, still scrolling here to get to my reward. Uh, he's not in this upcoming week. Did you? He's not in this upcoming week's prize pool. Trauner isn't. So like they probably like I think they refreshed the the prize. No, this is two eighty five. Yeah, but I think they refresh it. I think it's like once the new week comes, this, like, just. Looks I mean, good. this is the exact same one that. I mean, I, I recognize all these guys from when I looked earlier. Did I just miss well, him? I think you missed him. Well, I think I think you. I, I know he's not in this upcoming week because when I clicked on him, he's not in this upcoming week's prize pool. Yeah, search it. See there. Control, yeah, control F it, Laird. Okay. Yeah, Mikey said third got uh, Via, second got Taco, and first got Visca. Yeah, I mean, oh well. But anyways, yeah, I think the expectation with rewards is just difficult because your range is incredible. Like the range is wild. The range on on a card is tremendously open. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like when you have, I mean, how many how many cards were in that that tier? Right, two hundred. Give or take, like two hundred. It's a lot. So, yeah. There's 200 cars in the tier, and there's eight given out. Like your range of outcomes in it is incredibly wide. Uh, so the same thing, like when there's like one, when you have one tier zero given out or something, like the range of outcomes is literally the entire pool. It could be any single card in that pool. Um, and so it's it's pretty wild how wide it is. There he is. Yeah. So like you would expect getting oh, man, four Kenny Taylor right there higher than that. What did you say? Kenneth Taylor. Yeah. Do you want Kenneth Taylor? So well, it's not that far below the end, those guys. No. He's uh he's in the same but why so Takawaka's above Visca? I, I think I saw Takawaka above Visca. 
Hmm. Interesting. But yeah, yeah second def, definitely got Takawaka. Unless like Sower, knowing Sower, like they paid out like before he got to the 99, he was only at like 80. So he like, they gave him second place, place prize or something. Who knows? But anyway, I feel like an ass. That's all. Yeah, either way, it's not it's not fun when your your hopes are high. So I try to tell the wife never have high hopes. Always set the bar really low, so you can always clear that bar. If you whenever you set high bars, that's when things get bad for people. Yeah. Um, whatever. Anyway, this guy seems to play all the time, so that's good. No DNP risks. I see. No, I mean, a trout is a legit good player like he's legit good he plays internationally to some extent um i i have nothing negative to say about trout like he's someone i've looked at because um i think i would like one elite level defender but i think i think i did that with blend so i I don't think i need to go do that anymore but um i I looked at trout like trout it was like trout or douglas santos um coates like guys like that like i looked up Oh, he's Mickey Main. Great. And John Brooks. Oh, crap. <laughs> oh, Laird. Laird's just so upset, guys. Unfortunately. I actually, it was going to be Marquinhos, Laird Marquinhos. Hopefully soon to be the second best center back on PSG. Um, I wanted to reveal Laird's card to him on stream with me giving clues. It would have been fun for everyone. <laughs> Laird didn't want the fun. But, like, honestly... You could have given me this guy's name as the clue, and I wouldn't have guessed it. <laughs> that is true. I had to look up what nationality he was. I wasn't sure what nationality he was. I didn't know he was Austrian. I looked it up. But, yeah, I mean, he's a good card. He's usable. Like, if you can't sell him, you can definitely use him. So, yeah. it's like, it's it's way worse than some alternatives um, out there. Our buddy Harry Trades won a Mitsuda for fifth in u23 rare pro i saw that he has so one already that's though. a good result for him because i think mitsuda is selling yeah but so mitsuda is pretty much selling for what i sold a super rare for two months ago it's selling for like 1.1 i sold a super rare for like 1.25 or something that does not feel great no that doesn't feel good that's unlike you to sell a young guy like that i still am actually okay with the sale who was i i sold someone recently and oh <laughs> let's talk Steve Mandanda real quick since we discussed <laughs> this week. I have never sold a card on the platform and had its price double like within 48 hours after I sold him and still felt as good about a sale as I did about Steve Mandanda. Like, so for those unaware and don't look at Steve Mandanda frequently, somehow Steve Mandanda is selling for about an ETH. And look, I'm not saying Steve Mandanda isn't going to be the starter for Ren, but it, Alan Dar makes a lot more sense to me than Mandanda as being the starter. And when I look at it, like you can legitimately buy Alan Dar for the same price effectively as what you would, would buy Mandanda for. But the point for me more so is like, why would anyone go out there and buy Mandanda at like one ETH at like 37 years old? Like you are, your best case scenario is a goaltender that's going to split starts with a young promising goaltender and he's 37 years old. Yeah. Well, I, uh, there are a few Ren supporters, uh, here at Sora data and they're pretty convinced Mandana is going to get like a vast majority of the starts, if not all of them. 
Yeah, but even all right. If you tell me Mandan is going to be the full time starter, right? If you literally guaranteed me Mandan is going to be like the starter this year, except for like maybe a random game here and there, and then like Cubs, I still am not paying this price for Mandanda. Like I would just go buy someone else instead of Mandanda. Goalkeepers are expensive, man. I'm not sure you're going to get a champion Europe one with midweek utility for less than an ETH. I'm not saying you are going to get one for less than an ETH. I would just spend a little bit more. Like you can get Hradecki for like 1.5. Yeah. I mean, that's 50% higher though. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's a situation Like you can buy, oh, O Black's actually higher again now. Yeah. That's interesting. O Black was like one ETH. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that I would like, they need to be the same price point. I'm saying I would rather in that situation spend a bit more to get a different goalie than spending one ETH on Mandanda is what yeah, I, I mean, I think you agree with. Well, sure. Spending more is always the easier solution. Yeah. But like, it's a situation like this where like spending more makes sense to me. I think the real question is, would you rather Mandanda or Trauner? Trauner. Isn't that what I just said? Yeah, yeah, not close. So uh, Rishi says, so here's the thing that I think is going to be pretty obvious once we get going in the season here. So he said Ren should go far in the Europa League. I'm not arguing that. There's zero chance he's starting the league and Europa League. They're not going to not have Alamdar play one of them. So I, think it's, I, don't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's no chance. There's very little chance. I think there's very little chance they don't let Alamdar play one of them. Like, so if he's, it, it, it's not, it's not the Champions League, it's Europa. And maybe they'll go to Bandana towards the end of the situation. But I think that there would be, it, it's pretty likely Mandana would play league and they would let Alamdar play Europa League, in my opinion. Um, could, could be wrong, could be wrong. And if it's wrong, like Mandana's probably, a, maybe, I, I, don't, I don't know. I just wouldn't pay one ETH for, for him. But yeah, so like I've sold him for 0.58, I think. And I feel really good about that still today despite the price going up um where it is now yeah i mean that's i mean i i know there's not any champ europe goalies that you're realistically going to get for cheaper than what you're going to pay for mandanda like you're going to have to pay a bit more but like when you're looking at like some of these other options i would just probably rather go and pay up a bit, then get him. Yeah, yeah. So Mouse had just said that it makes sense for him to play Europa League. If it was Champions League, it would be different. I agree. If it was Champions League, I would be saying that he's going to play every game, um, and you don't really have to to worry about that at all. Um, but yeah, like I mean, it's not the prettiest list. If you're, if, I mean, this goes into our whole like why we don't like Champ Europe situation. Like, there's. <laughs> It's expensive. Like you're playing <laughs> Champ Europe, it's expensive. I mean, I would probably rather have like Strakosha, even though Fulham's not going to be that good. Like I would still rather have Strakosha, I think. Um, Is that done? I don't think it's done, but like I haven't heard anything to sort of counter that, I guess. Like Fabianski, like Fabianski's maybe going to be the starter again at West Ham. I haven't heard anything recently because I know they were looking to resign Areola and that was like close to being done. Um, I'm just saying from a, I think, Le oh wait, wasn't Leno going to full, uh, Fulham? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah I'm just saying, yeah, like, you're right. Price-wise, I actually don't think Mandan is that bad. If, if, you, if you were really only looking at champion Europe goalkeeper who starts with the possibility of midweeks, 
Yes, Mickey Fu makes the comment, right? I think this is pretty accurate. Mandan is the same situation as Handanovich, which I, I, don't, I don't think, think so. I think it's I think it's close to the same situation. The only difference is Onana is obviously a higher end player. So it's a little bit riskier, but you're getting a price reduction on him. Um, so Rishi asked, which goalie would we pay in Champ Europe for two ETH or under two ETH that has midweek utility? As you see, there's not much here. Um, like, it's pretty bleak out there. I would probably buy Hradecki or I would probably pay up and buy someone a bit more expensive. Yeah, um, yeah so Mike's talking about Ariel. You can't keep doing that. Laird, <laughs> like, I, just, I, I have two want... ETH. What, what should I buy? You should buy a two and a half ETH player. Like I said, I said Hradecki. No, I know. But like, I would rather pay up. Like, we, we would I all would rather, rather not play Champ Europe, Laird. <laughs> that's, the, that's the answer that I would go with. Yeah. I just would prefer to not play Champ Europe. Yeah, I, I know the Bet Handanovich was named the starter, but to be fair, he probably will be this year. But it's going to be, it's going to be a sticky situation, I think. But like again, like I, I have a Handanovich. I'm not selling Handanovich right now. I'd rather hold Handanovich than uh, Mandanda at the current price points. Yeah, but if you didn't have, if you didn't have one, I mean, I'm, I, to be honest, I might sell him. Depends what happens with my uh, my inter stack going forward because it might not be an inner stack soon it might be a psg stack right so we'll have to see how that we'll have to see i i said it's kind of funny because right now champ europe i'm just sitting here like i a lot of it depends where screen yard goes for me mm -hmm. if screen yard stays at inner i'll probably run my inner stack again if screen yard goes to psg i will likely buy a neymar and then messi and then i will run brozovic super rare or like i have i have enough good champ Europe mid super rares. Like I have Brozovic, I have Milinkovic Savage, I have Tessie. Like someone will probably be serviceable of those every week. So my plan would be to run like Donnarumma, Screenyard, Super Rare, those one of those mids and then Messi and um and Neymar. But if if Screenyard stays at Inter, I'll probably at least run the inner D stack with Brozovic. So like I'll run like Handanovic, Screenyard, Brozovic, and then I'm not sure what I want to do up front. I, the only reason I would do that move up front right now is, well, one, it makes sense. Like, obviously, the PSG guys smack. Um, and then, two, it just – it does work. Like, the inner stack did do well for me in certain situations last year. Um, I, I was able to get some decent rewards out of it. And I think they honestly underperformed a bit. And I think the – I ended up in situations where I missed one of the starters in, like – the games against the bad teams in the group, which killed my life. Like the one group stage game, I got like 400 points with a zero from uh, Bastoni. So like if I just played Burrell instead of Bastoni, I would have won yeah. and got who knows who. Um, so like do that type of like little mistake can be tremendously, uh, tremendously hard to overcome. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Actually, you know who's a good option? Probably... Again, it's expensive, so Laird's going to be upset. But but Coble's probably a decent option going into this year. He's not super expensive. His age is really good. They're a decently strong team in a relatively weaker league compared to like the Premier League. Um, and he does have some good defender options to pair with. Yeah, that's fair. I still think Ter Stegen is underpriced. 
I agree with you on Ter Stegen. I think, like, to be honest, like, LaFont's underpriced. Like, you get some U23 uh, equity out of LaFont, too. And especially, like, in those midweeks. Like, I think Nantes will take everything very serious. Like, I, I can't imagine they don't take Europa League serious. Yeah, I agree. So, like, you're getting midweek utility out of him, which I think is is uh, favorable. So, let's talk about Maximiano since he's here and you have him. So, like, what's your thought process on the Maximiano saga and what's your plans with him? In classic layered fashion, I bought him thinking I think he's too cheap. And once his move gets finalized to somewhere where he's the starter, his price will certainly go up. And he actually hasn't been solidified yet. But... His price is going up because the links are getting a little stronger. And now I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just keep him. And I have a few U23 goalies that I, a couple that I've speculated on. He's one of them. I should probably sell him. But like the whole, you know, possibly midweeks and all of that, you are the, I was going to call you the angel on my other shoulder, but that's uh, giving you way too much credit there. But you are on my other shoulder saying, talking about how old he is. He only has a year left. He's going to be not U23 anymore, which is funny because he's got like an entire season. And I just remember all I do is think back to last season when I had, when I had uh, Bilo and I traded him basically for Vandevort in December and like missed out on a bunch of rewards because I was like, oh, I'll have, I get more utility with Vandevoort because he's so much younger. And I like lost out on rewards because he was like, he was younger, yes, but he wasn't scoring like Bilo. Clearly, Bilo was scoring so well because he had Strauner in front of him. Um, but <clears throat> I don't know. Maximiano is like, my guess is I sell him because I bought him like two weeks ago for half of what he's going for now. And I think the point of the game is probably to like accumulate more ETH that way. But I just have to figure out if I think I will use him more than the other guys I have. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, you know, my thoughts on it. Like I, I think he's a sell. Um, I don't think he's going to be better than some of the other options. For example, is he really like, what spot is he going to be in where he's like head and shoulders above LaFont? I think it's less like head and shoulders. Like it's the, I already have one. Like I'm not, I'm not going to sell him and buy LaFont. You, you have LaFont? No, 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 no. But I'm saying like th- me comparing the two, like it doesn't do anything to me. Like I'm not going to sell Maximiano to buy another U23 goalie. Like if I have one, then I'd rather just keep that one. Yeah, that's fine. I, I just am curious. Yeah, but like why, hypothetically, why? Like why would you hold that in that situation i mean i understand what you're saying you're saying like if i'm selling maximum i'm just selling him. like i just i'm gonna pocket the ETH. my question is just sort of like what situation i mean this i guess it's a broader discussion what situation do you think where maximiano is better than lafont like it's pretty much only lazio right yeah which is the the firmest one so far true yeah but so like he has a lot of links though so like let's say he has like a 40% shot to go to Lazio, right? So is that worth not just like flipping him into LaFont, knowing like LaFont is on Nantes, going to play midweek? Probably is a better prospect. I, I think LaFont's a better prospect, no? I don't think that matters. 
Uh, well, I, I mean, I don't disagree. It's goalie. Um, <laughs> but, but so they're the same. Let's call them the same price. To be honest, the floors are the same. Lafont has been actually trading for more than Maximiano. But like Maximiano is this, let's call him 90% of Lafont's price. And he has not moved yet. Yeah. So like, I think. I Well, I do agree with you. Like, let's say he plops down at Lazio. He's going to be three ETH for no reason. Um, when. So, all right, so Pires just uh, said that it's way more than 40% that he goes a lot. So that, that, that's fair. So Pires, here's a question for you since you're in the chat. So let's hypothetically say Maximiano goes to 3 ETH, right? How quickly do you snap sell at 3 ETH knowing you can get like a, a Koye at 3 ETH with a lot more uh, long-term? You could get like a Vandevort at 3 ETH. Like, so how quickly would you sell Maximiano? I'm just concerned that Maximiano is like, I do think there's going to be some some snap like FOMO on Maximiano. Like if he if he goes to to Lazio and he gets like announced he's official to Lazio, I think it's going to like pop up way higher than it should immediately. Then it'll tail off like probably like I can't imagine he settles much higher than like two point five. What makes him? Well, yeah. Uh... You know, what you just get one extra year from McCoy. You get one extra year from McCoy, which is very favorable. Sure. Well, it's favorable. The first year is equal. Like if they go back up, it's probably not that favorable. It doesn't matter. You're battling against nothing in that situation, right? Like the first year is equal. So call it equal. And then the the second year, it doesn't really matter because it's better than what you get out of Maximiano. Gotcha. Gotcha. Three would surprise me, no point. Yeah, exactly. That, that's my point. So, like, my thoughts are that, yeah, so I want you to yell at Pires, Laird. Pires is out there just telling you to spend more. He's just saying. Yeah, yeah so exactly. Crazy. I would rather just spend two ETH more. I've been told post. that is yeah, of course. something you can do, Pires. Which, which, to be fair, to be fair, Laird's right. Like, a lot of the time, you have to be within a certain constraint of whatever your current budget is at the moment. So, like, you, that is true. Like a lot of the time, like you, you can't just be like, oh, here's another two ETH to go buy Donnarumma. Right. Um, but I do also agree. Like for me, like Maximiano at his current price points, like mm, I just can't justify 2.3 for him with some of the other options I could get realistically at this point. But, but like if that's your price point, realistically, the only other option is Lafont, right? Um, like, I don't think you're buying anyone under LaFont. Maybe Safnov. I know you've talked about Safnov. There was someone, I forget who, people were talking about Safnov. And, and I think it was you. I think it was you on one of the um, episodes I listened to where you're just like, look, Safnov is a great option. However, you have to be willing to know that he could just die immediately yeah. and be unavailable. And that is 100% true. We do not know where the situation is going to go with Russia. Obviously, we're expecting it to be totally normal and fine as of right now um, in terms of SO5 coverage. But there's a lot more murkiness surrounding that than anything else. Plus, like, I mean, you're playing way less games in Russia. You're mm-hmm. having no midweek utility in Russia. So there's lots of negativities within Russia. Um, someone that I think makes a lot of sense, and I know you bought yesterday, is is Heidel. Yeah. So you can let, why don't you talk about Heidel a little bit? Um, Heidel 
falls into two categories for me. Um, I made this watch list a while ago of just like U23 goalies. And <clears throat> the I basically sort it by, I wonder if, let me just pull it up because it's silly not to just pull it up. So I was like, all right, I have these U23 goalies. And I was just looking at the range of prices because I was like, who seems underpriced? And this I made this a while ago. And it, I realized how cheap Maximiano was yeah. based on the fact that like everyone else was at least twice the price. Yeah. Like I bought, so I bought Maximiano on the 26th. What is that? Two weeks ago? Yeah. At 1.19. Now the, the rumors were that like, he's not staying at Granada. Like that's it. And I was just like, if he goes anywhere, then he should be more expensive than this. Like, it's as simple as that. Like, starting U23 goalies, even in Champ Europe, because while I don't prefer Champ Europe U23 players, I know others do. And I'm like, he's just too cheap. So uh, Hadel fit in that category to a lesser extent in terms of, like, looking at the other guys around. I was like, oh, he's cheaper than the top guys. His job is like not totally secure, but he should be the starter. Like I, I actually felt there were more question marks with him. And I'll be completely honest that there are a number of people on the platform who I trust for their, I trust for their scouting and their knowledge and they own this guy. And I was like, if they're comfortable owning him, then maybe I will, I should be too. Perez is one of them. And so I bought him. And I was like, I think between he and Maximiano, I was like, I think one of them, if not both, will be more expensive when they start. And I did this at a time when I happened to have a lot of ETH on the platform. Like I sold a bunch of cards. You and I were talking about this yesterday, obviously not on a stream, but like I sold a bunch of cards recently that I was, wasn't necessarily using I, I took some fiat losses so I could get some ETH gains. And I was like, I, instead of holding the ETH, I think maybe one of the better places to hold my ETH is in under what I deemed as underpriced U23 goalies. And Maximiano and Hadel were two of them. And now I just have to wait. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's a very good idea. I also think um, the Kaiser is probably a good store of value. Yeah. Like, I mean, we, Laird and I use off, off, uh, show the term like store of value. Right. So it's basically like, I think I can put my ETH into this person and he's going to be worth at worst case, the same as what I put in eventually. Yep. Uh, obviously that can be altered a little bit in the event that like ETH goes from 1k to 4k or 2k to 500. Like there's going to be fluctuation in that situation. But but I totally agree. Like when you bought Maximiano, Maximiano made a lot of sense to me. Um, same, same with Heidel. Like they both make sense to me from a perspective of this guy's probably not going down based on like where the current market is on the U23 goalies. Um, and I think it makes a lot of sense to not sell them or, or to, to like, if you just have some ETH just sitting around, I think it makes a lot of sense to just like, okay, hey, this is what I'm doing with it. Um, so I, I totally, I, I agree with that 100%. Yeah, that was, the, that was the point, basically. And to be honest, like, 
I am attempting to play U23 Rare Pro when these guys start up again. I would have already been playing, but Thomas Hazel is the only guy I have over the summer, and he's been out hurt. And so it just made sense for me, even from an SO5 perspective, to have more options. Like I have Vandevort and I have DeKaiser, but if I'm running, if I'm trying to do U23 Rare and Rare Pro each week, it makes sense to at least have three because yeah. it gives me some flexibility. I don't expect to have all four of them. Like I, I assumed I would sell one of Hadel or, or, uh, or Maximiano. And you're the one who keeps pushing me to sell Maximiano just based on age. But I mean, I think I would sell him over, over Heidel, like right now. It's not close. Well, I have no reason to sell Heidel now because it's basically where I paid for him. Yeah, well, you sell Maximiano, you basically pay for Heidel too also. That with, is true. With that situation. So I think it makes quite a bit of sense to uh, to move and go after like – the the issue is is it's just sort of, actually you know who's really who was so Ochoa had a super rare go the other day for like barely more than his rare selling for yeah which like I actually don't think is a bad idea like I don't think buying a David Ochoa right now is that bad because I just can't imagine he's not somewhere starting at some point in the near future like it feels to me like that's coming it's just a matter of when. it should be yeah I mean he was yeah like it just feels like it's coming I just don't know when that's gonna come yeah. um. But yeah, like looking through it, I mean, I'll tell you what position is is bleak right now is U23 mid, man, oh. is rough. I, I was looking, I was sitting there, I was joking with Pires yesterday. By the way, Pires had a tweet last night that had me dying. I was, I, I messaged him this morning. I was sitting on the toilet um, going, going poop, Laird. I don't want to offend anyone and use any more um, harsh words than poop. So we'll use that. And I'm just sitting there checking Twitter and he was talking about Vinicius Souza. So, so he doesn't think it's that big of a deal, him going to Espanol. I disagree because I think that his potential to be an elite level player is probably not there at Espanol um, compared to like all the other links he had. So like I think that it hurts him quite a bit. Um, but anyways, he was he was messaging people, like someone commented on on his thing and uh and Pires made the comment, have you ever heard this, Laird? He was making fun of the guy, and he said, give your head a wobble. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read that. I'm just sitting there, like, scrolling through Twitter, and he, like, he's talking to this guy, and he's like, give your head a wobble, mate. And I'm just like, oh, my God, that's so funny. I don't even know what it means, but it's so funny. So, anyways, that's uh, that was my last night entertainment uh, at, like, midnight. I was literally cracking up. I was dying. And I don't even know if it's supposed to be funny, but it's just, Pires has some terms that, like, when he's making fun of people, I've never heard these terms in my life. And then I just crack up because of what they say. What they sound like, yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, what's What I find funny about U23 mid is that I feel like there are a lot of options, but none you actually want other than Joey Veerman. Yeah. And Veerman, like, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm not paying Veerman's price. Well, at this point... It's way, like not, way too yeah. Late. They, I just, I just like look. Veerman's got to average like seventy a game to pay off his current price. It just isn't there. So like, yeah, I was looking at it yesterday, and like, I just don't know who to get that you like. Just like sort of hang your hat on and be like, all right, I'm in. This is this is the bro that I want to uh, 
to tie my my sort of like my hopes and dreams with. But like yeah. so looking at stuff like we got Kachu, we don't know if he's gonna be there. So like he's very questionable. Um Enzo Fernandez actually could be that guy at Benfica. It's possible. It's I mean it the the expectations are that he will be fine. And like but like we just we have no idea. Yeah we have we have absolutely no clue. Um Jedson could be pretty solid but I have my concerns about him at the at the current price point. It's more so like anyone at the current price points they're at. I'm like, there's just no sort of upside from it. And there's also no like there's 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 just like these guys have to smash. So so Luis just said, and this actually goes into what Pires was talking about when he was talking to the guy about Souza. He said Enzo's gonna average 55 at Benfica. 55 is a really, really serviceable player. If you have a U23 mid that is uh, averages 55, that has spikes to 80 to 90 that you know is going to start, that's a really, really viable player. Um, yeah, so we, we now talk about Guendozi. I don't understand Guendozi's price at all. I don't think he's that good. Um, like he's someone that I just saw the other day. I was actually- he scores a lot better than he is. Huh? He scores better than, than he is in real life. No, I don't even know Year if he one. scores that good. Because I was I was looking for like a comparison of like what I think we could be seeing um in terms of Souza. Like, I don't know. I don't know. That's so so the weird thing that about like everything we're talking about here is we're like the the U23 midfielders are not that great. And uh, separately, if anybody, I'm willing to cut on this uh, floor price here on Yari Vasharan. I would be willing to to go to 1.4 if anyone's interested in Yari Vasharan rare for that price. I'll go to 1.35. <laughs> I have the super rare, so like I'm I'm connected anyways. Yeah. Uh, so so we're like the these guys aren't that great. It's like really tough to spend all of this for you know scores that we don't really know how great they're going to be. And then we look at Vinicius Souza and we're like, oh man, like he's probably going to be like a 55 average player at Espanyol. And it's like, compared to the other U23 mids, like that might actually be perfectly fine. It might be totally playable this year. Yeah. I, I think Susic is one that has, he has some upside to be really strong. I actually think Yari has a chance to be pretty serviceable this year. Um, yeah, playing in the 10. I, we were, uh, Teckers was talking about it. Like we need... Yeah, so I would, actually, love, I would uh, love to be able to like look at my U23 teams each week and be like, I'm playing Yari. I've yes. never done that. Like, like confidently, like I'm I'm feeling good about Yari this week. So um Surface just mentioned Oblikov. Oblikov's really strong. Oblikov's uh scoreline's really strong. He could actually he's probably pretty undervalued, and it's probably due to being in Russia. Uh, but he's a guy that has a pretty strong contention yeah. to be a, a really strong option for this year. Um, so Manuel, Sarah talked about Zorgain. Yeah. I was and, looking at him yesterday. So here's the thing with Zorgain and I like Zorgain, but like, I think he had some rumors of going elsewhere and the person I actually think could be really good there is Dan Heyman's. Um, and the reason is like Heyman's played a lot in the, Morioka role towards the end of the year and he didn't fully smash but he had some games where he showed some promise with the AA as well so like it's the same team with Charleroi it's him and um 
and Zorgain both are good options. And then Luis Mendez talked about Fabio Silva. Fabio Silva could be really solid. Um, I'm not going to pay for the current price point that Fabio Silva is. Like, I actually own one, and I'm not going to sell it because I think he can be good. The issue with Fabio Silva is he is going to be a striker, and therefore his AA is going to be limited. So for him to really do well, he needs two to three goals a game. And obviously, like, you're not going to get two to three goals most games. You're going to get, like, one, and then you're looking at, like, a 65, which, yeah. again, hey, 65s are solid, but you're not getting those 90 to 100 type situations. Yep. Yep, that's fair. Um, ELMT20 asked, how do we avoid DNPs, which is actually the topic of today's yeah. uh, show? We're only 48 minutes in, so it's probably time we talk about it. Uh, although part of that conversation was preceded by what we talked about because when we were discussing the goal u23 goalkeepers we didn't really talk about donnarumma but donnarumma is part one of how to avoid dnps and part of what i wanted to discuss today was was sean's process of like how he puts lineups together each week and because i don't know anyone who spends more time making sure that the guys that he has in his lineups are are most likely going to play. And that's not like a, it takes Sean a long time to do this stuff. It's like, it actually requires a lot of work, especially with somebody with Sean's gallery size to make sure that everyone's playing. And we all have like the random DMPs and like, those are obviously unavoidable, but I believe like Sean probably has tracked it, but he has like three or four DNPs, the avoidable DNPs that he's played in lineups like the entire time he's been on the platform. Less, I think less. I think you had one two weeks ago. I remember. I, yeah, I'm not. And you were on vacation, and you blamed I'm on me on vacation, that. So like, I'm not even counting that. So I, anyway, I, I had two. I had one. I forget what one was. The other one, I remember what the other one was. Is I had like Lee Bum Sue. And then I had Lee Bum Han or something like I, it was two like people that had like the same name and I put the wrong one in and that those were like the two known DNPs that I played. Okay. That's fair. Um, so I think it's like, I think it's like three, if you include the, the other week and there may be some more like slightly out there ones, but like, like if I really, like really, 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 really searched on stuff um, that I maybe had, but for the most part I tried, I don't, obviously play known dnps like i try to avoid anything with that because if they're known you're screwed and then i try to avoid risk as much as i can when creating at least my crucial lineups but sometimes i don't you don't have a choice like i mean sure. this weekend i didn't have a choice um I, so i was not so for those that tuned in like cecenia i was not playing him to begin with which laird knows laird knows i was not playing him yep. at all i saw someone mentioned that he had two lineups killed this weekend Sassinia news came out last night. Like there was posts in places saying Sassinia would not play, but I wasn't playing to begin with because it seemed that there was at least a 50% shot he was not going to go. Um, so he was out of my consideration all day. It was never someone that was in my consideration. Um, the issue is like D1, I don't, you don't usually have a choice. Like every week in D1, I'm sitting there playing the, the minefield of Marinos and hoping to God that they would come good but i 
that one's never fun. But like for the most part, like especially like my D3s, I try to avoid as much risk as possible. However, this week in D3, U23, I took a major risk, but that's more because my U23 situation is just a turd box at the moment. And yeah, so um, so oh, sorry, my bad. I don't I don't want to offend myself there. It's not it's not it's um, got some great players in it that are great that are underperforming expectations. Um, so the there are basically two parts to avoiding DMPs. And this seems like really easy. And it's because it is, but it's also something that a lot of people avoid. And first it's buying players who don't always play. Like we all have them and we all look at guys and we're like, man, if this guy got regular starts, he'd be great. So we buy them. And then when they don't start regularly, we're like, ah, another time that he's coming off the bench, blah, blah, blah. Mickey Fu was asked, do subs, are subs included in your DMP terminal? Like, no. Like the, the idea is avoiding guys who won't, who won't start. Like coming off the bench is likely not enough. And so like, it's basically not playing at all. So the two parts are A or one, buy guys who always play. And two, do the research to find out if they're out or not. And like a lot of people are like, well, he, if he's questionable, then I, then I'll just put him in in case he plays. Yeah. And that's, that's when a lot of people get DNPs because it's like, oh, I can't believe he didn't play. And it's like, well, you knew it was possible that he wasn't going to play and he didn't play. And now we're like upset about it. Yeah. Sean is like one of the most conservative sober players I know in terms of if a guy is questionable, even the tiniest bit, he will do his best to not play him. And if you miss out on a big game because of that, like it happens. But over the long run, you save yourself so much more frustration, not even counting that, by not playing guys like that than you do by playing them all the time. Yeah. If you play a guy that plays, you have a shot. If you get a zero, you effectively do not have a shot. Right. So that's the key. I, to me, it's more so to – actually, I, I have a good example this week, except for I did play them. But it's more so because when every league and region is going, I can avoid it almost entirely. Mm -hmm. But – when it's just America and Asia, I only have so many good players that I can really play in spots. And I only have so many options, period, to use. But so like this week, so Frontale has someone with COVID and then someone or I believe two players that are close contacts that are um, in quarantine. So knowing that, I looked through my lineups and I'm like, because it's a great matchup. This weekend they play Gambo Sock at home. In theory, this is like a get right spot for uh, Kawasaki. So, like, Such I would think that they will... What? Such disrespect for Masaki Higashiguchi. I played him somewhere, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, so in theory, someone or at least one to two players probably will be out for Kawasaki. And I don't know who those are. So I would like to not use them in the event that they don't play because obviously it's not great. Now, yeah. what I also do though, to, to counter that though, is like if I'm playing those type of guys and I have another example on this one, um, I try to lump them together because in the event that like you have multiple odd issues or multiple odd type of uh, things that could prevent it, I want one line until not three. So another example for that is this week, the, the Ray Soul Sagan Tosu game is yeah. expected to be played as of now, but it could not be played due to COVID issues for Sagan Tosu. So I had Masato Hasaki 
or Sasaki and Taiga Kogo. And I would have played them in U23 D3, but I didn't want to take the risk that that game gets canceled. And that, so I ended up playing them in U23 D4 and I kept them together because if the game was canceled, I only want the one lineup to sort of get um, destroyed instead of both. But then, so like those are like two of the, I, I guess, examples from this week that I just went through because obviously it's the freshest in my mind. But the other thing to, to note is like if someone leaves injured, right? So like we'll use Cassini as an example. So Cassini left injured last game. He clearly was banged up, had a leg injury. Yep. I will typically avoid that player or use them in more of a throwaway lower priority lineup than I would otherwise, unless I get news that they are likely to play. So like if I got news that Sassini was likely to play last night, I would have probably upgraded where he was in my pecking order compared to where I was at with that. So like, yeah, a lot of it for me is like, I try to avoid risk. Um, I generally do a pretty good job of it where I can. Um, typically, like typically speaking, my, my D3s don't have DNDs. Mm-hmm. which is realistically what I aim for after that. Like, so U23 rare pro this week, I have Paradella super rare and it's a really good matchup if Paradella plays and they struggled terribly in the midweek. Yeah, he didn't did. sub in. He had been starting pretty much every game recently. So I wanted to, I, I made like four lineups better if I played Paradella. So I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to play Paradella here. And if he doesn't do it, so like, as you see, and actually some Nagoya Grampus came up with a COVID related issue as well um, this week. So like you see, like in all-star rare, I play uh, Paradella. Uh, U23. Oh, U23. U23 rare pro. Sorry. So U23 rare pro, I played Paradella because if I played Paradella there, I can move other guys elsewhere. Um, and so for those that are playing U23 in the summer, the best part of the summer is right after july 1st this like two week window usually it's more like a month but the scores are typically really low Mm. because a lot of people just aged out so like as you saw in the midweek like 300 points one rare pro i'm not saying that's what's going to be on the weekend but like you've taken out a lot of higher end u23 players in the weekend and going forward so like there's good shots to get stuff done in the midweek or in the u23 right now but so for me it was like if i used paradella here it strengthened to like four lineups and if he plays he's a smash yeah i just don't think my lineups were that great this week so i just like i'm gonna take a risk and improve elsewhere and use him here if he doesn't play so be it yeah he also didn't play midweek which like normally you're like oh then he'll definitely play the weekend although he had been starting so that was kind of a weird Situate, like who knows what yeah so, so darren just asked a, a good question yeah what's the best source for asian injuries or asian league injuries and or suspensions so first there's a couple patreons out there that are good with with asian uh information uh matsuyama's got a good discord so if you want to check out his discord he's got a free discord he just started a patreon yep. um, i find quite a bit of info there i know sober japan has one um, my issue with that one is he would not get out the info before I would go to sleep. So it made it very difficult for me um, there. And then I believe there's a K-League one as well. But also, so like this goes for everything and MLS and Europe and et cetera. Like it goes for all these leagues. I look through every game 
on SofaScore. I note or like I mentally note key players that if they left injured on a game to like either go try to find more on that injury or we'll just be like, all right, this guy's not really good enough for me to worry about. I'm just pl- removing him um, out of my situation. So, so it's a situation where like I try to just follow along with everything as the week goes. So like when Laird says I spend a lot of time doing stuff, it's not really in the lineup creation uh, situation. Like my lineups take like an hour to an hour and a half to actually create, maybe two. But so much of it comes from what I see during the week. Um, I have I have some I have a tweet deck set up with different columns that provide injuries. Um, sometimes I get news. I'm in a lot of discords where stuff will pop up. Um, like I said, like I'm in Matsuyama Discord, and like occasionally he'll talk about uh, stuff going on and different injuries. I know he's moving that more so to his Patreon now, I believe. Yep. But there's lots of places to do things. But the best course of action is is this. If you're not confident someone's going to play, leave them out if you can. That's that's the as most simple as that really is. Yeah, like you can do no research. Like here's the thing, right? Like if we click on if we click on Mickey Imani, like let's just click on Mickey Imani, right? So if you know someone is going not going to play or you don't know they're going to play, just leave them out if you can. If you can't figure out what the risk is, like what the likelihood is. So like if I see like Mickey Imani, like all of those DNPs are with Japan, I'm pretty sure. So like if I look at Mickey Imani and the, the other two were in Champs League were like, that was a known disaster. You just sit there and be like, all right, Imani's going to play. I don't need to question that. Boom. Put him in a lineup. See how it goes. And then how he does, like, I can't control that per se, but like, I know he's most likely to play. Whereas you have other guys and it's like, well, this guy's in and out of the lineup frequently. And you can generally get an idea based on rotation patterns. Like if a guy sits on a midweek, he's likely to play on the weekend if Mm -hmm. you know the player. So like so much of stuff is just knowing rotational patterns, understanding what the likelihood of someone to play is. So like from a risk perspective, so like you have obviously a smaller gallery than I do um, and you have less options. Like I have, if I'm not playing like a Cecenia, I move down to play like Matus. So like it's still a great option, right? Like, so like I have a fantastic player I can still utilize. Whereas like, obviously if you have a smaller gallery, you might not. And therefore, taking a risk is more important. So, like, how do you handle risks in situations like this? Yeah, I tend to avoid. I, I say I I try to avoid those as much as possible, like the known, the, the likely DMPs, and that's that's certainly true. But I think the smaller your gallery, the more risks you basically have to take. Yeah, and the way that my gallery is set up, it's kind of like. All right, I can play like this lineup that is really good if this guy plays. And if it if he doesn't play, like my replacement is terrible. And so it's like, am I willing to just, not that I'm like eating a known non-card reward, but like effectively that's how it feels. So like is the risk of just playing this lineup with my potential zero because the guy didn't play better? And it actually totally depends on the week for me. Like I don't have like a specific, like if this guy's, you know, possibly not playing, I'm, I'm not going to play him. I had a few recent like Paolo Diaz DNPs. He came back from international duty and like, I knew he was going to be out for the first few games. Then he was like mysteriously left out. And then, I, but I ate that DNP and then I like went to play him 
again. I think he missed like another game. Like he missed like one or two like extra games. And because of like the way that my gallery was made up. Yeah. So like it was around this time, 279, 280. He was like coming back. Maybe he came back 278, something like that. And then they like heavily rotated or they were expected to heavily rotate before a Copa game. And I was like, okay, he's going to play because he hasn't played yet. And, but they'll rotate everyone else. And it was like, actually, they just held him out again. And like, that was just a risk like I was willing to take. But this is kind of like what we talk about, about having depth. And like, just because you're like, your lineup will look worse because you're like, oh, I have to take this good player out and put one that's not as good who I just have for depth. But it's like having that, that guy who is going to play is more valuable than a guy who's likely not. And I think people are like, they look at like 50-50 situations and they're probably 50-50 like in their head. You know, like somebody's like, oh yeah, he's questionable. You might not play. Those are usually like 80% not play. And, but we, it's like a fantasy sports thing in every sport that there's like this injury optimism for everybody that if like one of your guys is hurt and is like coming back, you're like, oh, he's back. He's going to play. They said he's questionable, but like, I saw one picture in training and he didn't have like a knee brace on. So he's good. And it's like, he's not good. But like, if you want, like, you just have to recognize that you're likely losing more than you're gaining by, by playing him the one time that he does actually play. Correct. And that, that's the thing that I think people struggle with. Whereas like, I'm pretty much like, like uh, Tiago Martins, right? Like he was back on the field the other day. I'm, I watched or I saw it. So like, I, I'm happy. Like I now know Thiago Martins is likely going to be available soon, but I'm also like, I'm not playing. Georgie Mihailovic was a good example yesterday. Yeah. Like, I obviously, I don't have a rare, but I have a, a limited that I would hundred percent play. Um, but so it was rumored yesterday that Georgie was back in training uh, with full yep. team participation. And I was like, I'm not going to risk it. It's just not worth it because he's very unlikely to start because he's just coming back from an injury. Um, the worst thing is he always plays. Oh yeah, like that, made, and that, I made a comment like he had so many starts in a row, and then he finally got this injury. Yeah, he was. He, I still think they were running pretty hot. I, I think Montreal's ran pretty hot this season. Mm-hmm. Mickey also makes a good point. Sometimes in the Asian League, lineups are out before the deadline. Yeah. So if lineups are out before the deadline and you have key players, I will wake up in the middle of the night if I have key lineups that can be impacted based on players. Like I did not wake up last night because those teams I don't really have any impact with. But if if Marinos plays at a lock, damn straight I'm up and I'm yeah. looking to see what that is. Um, so, so it was asked earlier about like subs and our subs um, in our vocabulary. In my opinion, and I'm talking about subs as in like should Sober have subs, not like if a guy, if I think a guy's going to, if I don't think a guy is going to start, I am very unlikely to consider playing them. Hmm. It's got to be the right situation the right, or it's got to be like um, one song who like comes in at like 20 minutes every game and then is, is a really good option. Um, but like, if you are not going to start, I am typically not going to play you. But the key to me too is like, um, I think in the future, the game makes way more sense having subs. I think it just is a better product with subs because people, you just don't have fun if your lineup is dead. And this goes for me, 
with a big gallery. If I have like a key lineup that's just dead, I'm not happy about that. And that lineup's just ruined. And if it's a key lineup, like my time's ruined and I'm just like, this sucks. So it's a struggle um, where I think in the future, like people, a lot of people on the platform run one lineup. Like they run one lineup. That's like they're what they have. Um, or they run like two or three lines. If you have subs, it's not very difficult to check those lineups, especially if you do like a game stack. Like you want to make it easy, just run a game, run a team stack, come back an hour before that game is, check to see if that those players are playing. If they're not, sub them out. Um, but it, it's just, it's also too is like, so another thing with like unknowns and like players that are going to play, any player that plays can put up a big score. Yeah. It doesn't like any players live to get a, a, uh, a clearance off the line. Any players live to get an assist or a goal. Like, yeah, are they likely to get it? No, but like, you could get a random guy just puts up. Like, I had a guy last week who put up. I got. I think I would have probably won the unique kickoff last week, Laird. I, I was fifteenth with Kikuchi, and I was like thirty-eight points off a of tier zero. So like, I got to think I would have won, but maybe someone else in front of me had a Kikuchi. It doesn't really matter. But anyways, I played, let me see. I can tell you who it is. Park Sung Wook from, uh, from Pohang. And this is a guy that averages 50 points and like has been over 60, like three times. Well, he ended up playing right back. He had an assist and had 30 AA. He put up 91 points. So like, it's stuff like that. Like this is just a random guy that like normally I wouldn't play or have in a lineup per se, but it just was like, well, he fit there and he's probably going to start because before that he had played almost every game for quite a while um, and was running 90. So I was like, this guy's going to play. So you can just do stuff like that. And like anyone's live for things. Yeah. I think that some people really don't like it, but the fact that the clearance off the line and last man tackles are decisives, make it make any player on the on the pitch viable for a decisive like that I, that's the part i like that's like one of the things i like the most about this game even though those even those uh, can be kind of subjective um i think i've always been anti-sub and it's i'm i'm kind I of was i was not it, it let, let's also be clear like if subbing is allowed I'm like top one person on the platform that will be benefited from it. Well, I, I think subs, it's, there's others. Late swap, I don't think it's anyone else. But no, like, yeah, late, if there's late swap and there's like literally for, I don't leave the house that frequently. And even if I do, if I knew there would be situations where I need to check stuff, I will be checking it. Sure. No, no, sure no absolutely. So, um, so my, my issue with subs is that it, it more likely, like, People think that it adds an element of strategy, and it does. It does. But it, it's actually, for a vast majority of the users, a crutch. And it's like a safety net. It's not part of a strategy. And so you're actually making, and, and so you're, you're making a decision where those who are super into the game benefit greatly. And those who are are more casual about it, think that they're benefiting because they're like, oh, I didn't get a DMP because I have this sub for this known guy who was suspended. Like you get to do less work and get a benefit from it, but you're actually not benefiting enough for, for like the rule change, in my opinion, Correct. because of people like us who actually I, would take advantage of that rule. So I agree with that from the perspective of that was my original viewpoint. 
But I even said this immediately about this question. So here's the question, Laird. What is better? Having someone that is happy, that is not aware that they're not winning as frequently, but they're happy because they're not getting DNPs, or someone that is pissed off because three three weekends out of the month of four weekends, they're dead, but they win more frequently. They just don't know that. What of those is better? And to me, I think we've got to the point where it is an entertainment product. And I do think that, like, I do think Sower is an entertainment product that if people are not having fun, that is worse than them having fun. So to me, I actually think it outweighs the negatives of it because I think people will enjoy it better. So I don't think anyone, the people who, who are benefiting from the subs, like the, the, the more casual players are not actually going to win more. No, they're going to win less. That's the point. If they're subs, they will win less, but they will be happier because they're avoiding DMPs. Yeah. I, I think, I think it catches on really quickly that they're like, wait a minute, I haven't won in forever. Yeah, but they're already not winning in forever because they have three they they have three weekends a month where they have DNP, so they're well, already not winning. Right, and well, yeah, I, so I don't you, think it all right, here's, I honestly here's don't think people get Laird, that. All right, here's a hypothetical: they get a card once every two months, but six of those eight weekends in two months they were dead because of DNPs. Yeah. All right. Scenario two: they get a card once every three months, but they had a live lineup every weekend with no DNPs. What of those is better scenario? I agree from a winning perspective and like an actual fairness perspective, that this option's better, right? Where you're getting a card every two months instead of every three months. But I think from an entertainment perspective, it's a lot more important for those people to be happy. So you either, you have someone that's pissed off, but gets a yeah, card no, every two months or happy and gets a card every three months. I think that's a much better option. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I won't argue that. What I, what I think is that it, it benefits the lazy. And I don't know if that's the best for the game. It doesn't benefit the lazy. It benefits the harder working. It, it certainly benefits them. Yeah. But it makes the lazy feel better. And, that, and you're just making this game easier now. And I don't think it needs to be easier than it is now. It's easy no, enough to find out if your five guys are going to play or not. So to be fair, to, to be clear, like, I don't really care which path they go down. I think both have merit, right? Like, I think there are pros and cons to both sides. So I do not. Um, so Yaza says it benefits the richer. That's not the point of it, though. That The, the point of it is not that it benefits the, the richer. Like, well, it's yeah, not the point, but it's the reality. No, it's, it's exactly <laughs> the reality. The point is, is what is more important, having fun or winning hard because they're actually normally you'd think they're the same but in this situation they're not um, yeah no. you, and also so you think another, it's a better experience to find out that all of your guys played and are still not good enough as opposed to the dmp we're like oh well i had a dmp so that's why i didn't 100%, win 100 it's a better feeling okay eating a dmp is not fun eating a dmp ruins your week and so also another pro that comes out of it um and so actually i want to talk so darren mentioned and i think this doesn't work and i this is I've heard a lot of things brought up and this is, this goes into this. So he asked like, what is your thoughts on keeping the games open till two hours before and then locking it? I don't think that does anything because you don't have lineups two hours before typically. So 
um, if to me, this is like a lot of people come up with ideas where it's like they want to fix this thing by coming up with a terrible idea that's slightly less terrible than this other idea. If you're going to do something to it and you're going to fix it, fix it. Don't make just don't turn like a giant poop fest into like a slightly less big poop fest that's still unusable and terrible. Um, and then another pro that actually comes out of the sub option is uh, it benefits the sales market. It, be it benefits the market of if you have a DMP and you don't have a player, you're going to go look on the market and buy a player if your lineup is good enough. So like it helps sales to some extent. Now, the other point with all of this that's been talked about in a lot of discords I'm in, it's been discussed when this discussion has been brought up. And I don't have a perfect answer. I don't, if I did, I would say it. And as everyone knows, I'm pretty confident in my takes if I think they're good, but I don't have one here. I don't know what a perfect solution is, but um, I, I know what bad ideas are. And I've seen bad ideas, but I don't know what the best option is. But the idea is, is like someone brought up the point of, well, if people can sub guys in with no penalty, they're just going to keep those guys on the bench. And that's 100% true. My ass would not put Carlos Gill in a lineup until I saw how good those lineups were. And then, oh, hey, Carlos Gill, you're going in this line because it's at 400 points already. And that's exactly how I would do it. So the idea is you need to prevent that from happening. And you do need some sort of penalty. Um, now, what that penalty is, I don't know. Um, I, he I heard discussions about like, hey, do like 25, a 20% negative like penalty like to a player. 20% penalty to a player is a very significant amount. And that would deter people um, from doing that. And so Tom talks about SO5 requiring subs. Subs will never work on the platform. It doesn't work that way. The way that Sober Data does their leagues, it would not work in an SO5 platform because you most people do not have nine cards to plug in a lineup. And that tremendously, that benefits a rich person's gallery way more than it benefits the smaller person's gallery and doing subs. So um, that, the subs, the sub idea that I've seen where it's like have like four subs or like have subs that are options, that to me is the worst idea I've heard out of any options in terms of subs because it just doesn't work. Like late swaps work so much better than subs. So it goes back to the point of like, if you're going to fix it, fix it. Don't come up. And to be honest, like I, to be clear, I think like having three or two subs on a team makes it worse than what the product currently is. Like, I think it's terrible. For sure. For sure. I, I think, I mean, realistically late swap. So the, the idea of like lock everyone two hours before kickoff, fundamentally you could just lock them at kickoff. Like that's, the two hour doesn't do anything like two hours before kickoff is just as helpful as two days before kickoff. Like we don't know the lineups. So if you, if you're setting an arbitrary time, at least make it kickoff so that you have the lineup. Yeah. So, so surface just mentioned, he thinks rolling locks are terrible and SO five plus one with positional penalty makes, uh, makes it better. Completely disagree. I think it's a completely opposite of what Sam says. But, but it can't be just SO five plus one, like the, the positional issues, like you have positional issues, if it's your goalkeeper, then like, why does that, why are you able to sub? I would, and I, I, talk about this. I would intentionally play a zero goalkeeper so that I got to stub in. Right. Right. Why would I not? But so, yeah, that's why. like, I think rolling locks are fantastic, but they're not good for the game per it, se. It but absolutely it works way better. 
it works better and it absolutely ruins the game for a lot of people. Like Andy Black, like says it himself, like he is not in front of his computer all weekend. He actually goes outside. And like now you're asking that person, people who like to go outside on the weekends or in midweeks or anytime that like, no, you have to like set alarms for every single lineup that's coming out because you have to make sure your guys are in. And if they're not, now you have to sit down and figure out who you're going to put into that lineup. Do you have to go buy someone? Like nobody Counter- wants that experience over the course of the Counterpoint to that though is that's a whale problem. Most people don't have 10 lineups on a weekend. I mean, I'm going to look into that also. I don't think most people have 10. I agree with you. I, but, I think most But even, have... even tracking six of them. And then what happens when you're like, oh, my one guy is out. Oh, but the guys that I haven't put in lineups, they already played. Because people don't use the, the idea of like putting your late players into your lineup so that you can specifically see how your early guys do. Or now, oh, my, you know, like there, it's, it's not fun. <laughs> Nanzo you says go outside exactly, take a mobile phone. You know exactly how I would set my lineups up. I would set my lineups up staggered so that I always can determine how that lineup is going sure. before I set the rest of my life. I would do it every single time it would take me. I would literally never leave my house again. Um <laughs> which for me that's fine. I don't Yeah, your lifestyle is not changing at all. But that's a whole that's like a PSU thing. That's not a anybody else thing. Like I don't like to leave the house. I'd much rather sit here and make those adjustments because I find that fun. And I would literally have a blast doing that every single weekend and be like, oh Andy Black, you're at the soccer game. Hey, <laughs> sucks to be you. I'm making money and I'd be sitting there having fun. We had come from a DFS background where we saw MLS staggered starts just murder daily fantasy major league soccer because there were kickoffs at eight, eight 39, nine 30, 10. And everyone's like, I'm not doing that. And that's over like a three hour span. And now we're asking people to do it from Friday morning for us until Tuesday morning. And then Tuesday morning to front, nobody wants to do that. Like that is one person wants to do this and it's a miserable experience. Like you're talking about making this game more fun. That ain't it. (laughs) No, I agree. That's why I said like, I, Again, we talk about, like, I know it would be very, 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 very beneficial to me. And I'm not, like, proposing to do it because I, or, or if you, again, like, I've been pretty, I'm, like, pretty middle of the ground of, like, what I think should happen. Um, and, and if you did get subs in, I would make some sort of way that people aren't setting their lineups like the way I'm suggesting. Um, you need to have some sort of penalty put in place to, like, prevent that. Um so like, I do think there is a happy middle ground that is probably a better solution than what we have now. I think that to me, the best option are late swaps with a partial penalty if you're plugging someone in. Now, how much of a penalty it would be or like what it should be exactly, I don't know. But that's just my opinion on it. But again, like I'm not, I know it would be beneficial for me because I know I would be way better equipped to handle this situation than everyone else because I, a I've done it B I don't like to leave the house. So it's a situation where I know who's benefited the most and it is me. And I'm not like, I'm not saying that they should do it because I know how bad it is for everyone else. So a few of these last comments here, and then I realize we've gone pretty long. One from Mike Baston. Let's just agree that not everyone can have fun, no matter whatever the system is. I agree with that. And I believe rolling locks means everyone, um, it it means that nobody 
has fun except Sean. That's it. Yes, I agree. Um, so I don't think that, so Satan so just said rolling locks limit so rare is long-term growth. I don't necessarily agree with that because I think not having fun also limits Sober's long-term growth so to some extent. I think, I think John's comment before that is why we why it's not more fun. I already spend way too much time on Sober as it is. I don't need this stress on top of it. I think Nanzo- It's a long time. Nanzo probably has the correct idea too. They should come up with a special or like a separated contest yeah. that has rolling locks. I think that's 100% a uh, realistic option and a path they maybe would go down. And I think that would be pretty strong. Absolutely. And I think the most important question, Sean, how do, will you do subs with all the weddings that you attend? Oh, it's very simple. I, the one wedding we went to, my wife made me go and it was like, tell me how dumb this is to begin with, Laird. So I did not want to go. I had no of course. interest in going. Why would, why would anybody want to go to a it wedding? It was for one of her friends, her work friend's daughters, who she like doesn't even know. And she's like, well, we have to go to this because I was invited. I'm like, that's why how that works. So anyway, <laughs> so the story gets better. My wife had food poisoning the day before and was like, I'm talking violently having yeah. issues sure. for like 24 hours before. And I'm, I'm like, sure she's very appreciative of you bringing this up here. She's not home. So, so she, she doesn't listen to the podcast only if she's sitting on the couch um, because I talk loud. So she can't miss them. So anyways, so I, obviously karma to her for making us go to the situation so i'm sitting there i'm like great we're not gonna go and she still made us go i literally sat there we're like at a table with people i've never met in my life and i'm literally just sitting there and this is me at the wedding to be confused like, you like, everywhere else you go outside. for like two hours and then my wife's like i'm like all right when are we leaving she's like well you have to have a dance with me i'm like all right i danced for like 20 seconds i'm like right out the door we go but it wouldn't be hard for me to to, to do lines at the weddings i attend that was the cake you didn't even eat the cake no i don't care I don't, i'm not a big sweets guy no i i don't like i i'll eat cake and stuff but like i'm not someone who's like loves chocolate or loves cake or stuff like that my kryptonite is one i my portion size is very poor i i eat a lot um, and then two, like the other thing that I really, I really like chips, like Doritos, chips and dip. I'm a big chips fan. Um, those are mo more my like issues. Thank you, Jared Jackson, for bringing that question up. And John Andrews, you should have DMP'd the wedding and your wife could have called in a sub guest. I tried to, I tried to DMP <laughs> every wedding. So, so here's, here's another funny wedding story since everyone loves my wedding stories. Um, so our wedding was scheduled during COVID and we ended up having not on purpose, not on purpose. We scheduled it before COVID started and it was supposed to be July of first year of COVID. So July of first year of COVID, whatever, happened year, in, whatever year that was. Uh, yeah, I don't even know what year it was. <laughs> 2020, I think 2020. Yeah, 2020 because our two years is in like a week, which actually I will not be in town for. Right. <laughs> That'll be my for wife. another podcast. Um, yeah, my wife's like, well, what are you going to pay for me to make up for not being here. I'm like, I will let you spend time with the dogs. That was my pay. But anyways, anyways, anyway, anyways, um, so we had just COVID cleared up a little bit. So we were able to just have a ceremony with my parents, her parents, and then her sister and my brother-in-law. And that was it. 
So like, luckily I, so I told her after that, I'm like, so the good news with this is, is if I have a pretty strict rule. If you don't attend my wedding, I'm not going to attend yours. My parents are married. Her parents are married and her sister got married. I'm done. I don't have to go to any more weddings anymore. And then we also, we, so then the second year, the second year that, uh, we had already paid for the rehearsal dinner in full. So like the plans, what that we were going with was we just had that eight person like ceremony the first year that we were going to do an actual wedding the next year yeah. and then COVID didn't go away. And so we did end up having like a 30 person get together just with our wedding party and um, our parents and her sister. And so I said, I'm like, I will attend everyone who was at our actual things yeah. wedding. But like, luckily most of those people are also married. So I've told her, I'm like, there's like four people whose weddings I will try to go to in the future. And by try to go to, I mean, if you're getting married in the fall, I will not be there. Right. Unless there's rolling locks and then you're not moving from that chair. Well, I, I can be pretty mobile, Laird. I got, I got pretty great access on my phone. I know what I'm doing. Fair enough. I'll, just, Fair enough. I'll message you to tell you that you have to keep me up to date with whatever's going on. There you go. There you go. Nice. Or data app. I'm sure there'll be notifications there. Anyway. Thank you to everyone who has joined us, um, particularly uh, John Andrews and Jared Jackson for helping us get through that last um, wedding segment. Uh, if you guys would please hit the like button if you're watching on YouTube, that is always appreciated. Anybody who's listening to the audio version, if you could please rate and review it wherever you listen. I did uh, talk to somebody today who said Google Podcast has not been working lately. I highly recommend listening on Spotify because the video is there as well. So every time that we pull something up on the screen, which is pretty much all the time, uh, you can just pull the, uh, the video up on your phone, but you can also turn it off. Unlike trying to watch it on YouTube or just listen on YouTube. So anyway, check that out on Spotify, but really listen wherever you want. Uh, I'll be back early next week with Andy for Sawyer Andrews. And then Sean and I will be back at the end of next week for another strategy show. So thank you everyone and good luck this weekend.